Welcome to Saucy Shorts, brought to you by Copycat Creative. This is Strip by Catherine Case, read by Paul Sandys. The arm of his chair was sticky. When he raised his drink to his mouth and pulled his forearm away from the threadbare velour, his sleeve made a sound. He did it again. The ghosts of spilled drinks gone by, he supposed. The woman writhing in front of him placed her hands either side of his torso, using the arms of the chair to brace herself as she ground her buttocks into his lap. Inexplicably, she didn't immediately snatch her hands away from the unpleasantly sticky chair. She didn't even wince, even though she had her bare hands gripping the arms. George watched her fingers dig deep into what was left of the upholstery and she put her full weight on her wrists and kicked her legs in the air with a little can-can-style flourish. Surely she must be able to feel it beneath her fingers. Fingers which he now noticed bore little sienna crescents of fake tan residue at the knuckle. She ought to soak them in a hot bath with essential oils, he thought. That's what Charlotte used to do. But this woman's indifference to the sticky velour nagged at him. Wouldn't you automatically retract your hand? Wouldn't that be the instinctive reaction? How could she stand it? He grimaced without really meaning to. She began to do little bounces in his lap, tossing her long, slightly dirty blonde hair over her shoulder and looking back at him. You love that baby? Yeah, you love it. Puerto Rican? Interesting. Or maybe Dominican? He'd never been very good at discerning one from the other. George would wait for her to say something else before absolutely deciding. He didn't want to be ungrateful, but couldn't help but feel he'd love it a bit more if she was actually bouncing a bit, well, nearer to his crotch. As it was, the party was kind of happening at mid-thigh, which wasn't really having the desired effect. If anything, having an adult-sized woman repeatedly bashing her tailbone into his theme was beginning to sort of hurt. But he nodded enthusiastically enough and tried hard to ignore the burn that was beginning to blossom across his lap. Sure he does, boomed Troy, someone whose nationality necessitated absolutely no guesswork. Troy was American down to his very bones. An American who, for the past week and a half, had made it his mission to show George how London really rocked, which made no sense, really. Born and bred in Hounslow, surely it was George who had the greater claim to London's inner workings who could rightfully claim fluency in the language of its seedy underbelly. True, he hadn't exactly grown up in the shadow of St Paul's, but he considered himself more a London native than the Connecticut-bred Troy, who'd spent his adolescence herring around New Haven, followed by a stint at Brown before moving into the Park Slope brownstone purchased for him by his father. Michael Caine, he wasn't. Even though the deal was all but done, and Troy had agreed to send all of his company's due diligence work to Kendall and Brooke, the effervescent client had insisted on the full dog and pony show from KMB's highest performing relationships manager. He wouldn't actually put pen to paper until the end of the week, and in the meantime, he wanted George to show him the town. However, during their final meeting on Wednesday afternoon, it became painfully apparent that George was somewhat out of his depth. Not only had Troy been visiting London for years, and was subsequently thoroughly jaded by even its flashiest restaurants and choicest theatrical delights, they all come to Broadway first anyway, Georgie. But his taste transpired to be a little more 
specific than George had anticipated. When George had confidently suggested they take in a West End show, having procured a rare brace of Hamilton tickets for the occasion, Troy had thrown back his head and laughed uproariously in his perplexed face. Jesus, Georgie! He wiped a tear from his eye, his big shoulders heaving with the hilarity of it all. You trying to sign me or fuck me? George began to stutter a reassurance that it was definitely the former, but the American cut across him. I don't want to go to the theatre, buddy. Take me someplace fun. When George failed to catch his drift, he elaborated. Titties, George. Take me to your favourite skin bar. Come on. I'm a married man on leave for a week. Show me the good stuff. There used to be this place on Eversholt Street. A few years ago, I... He stopped abruptly on catching George's stricken expression. Oh, no. Oh, buddy, no. Are you trying to tell me you don't do skin bars? He grinned like it was just too much. You're telling me that K and B have lumbered me with the only monk in the whole damn building? Well, I, I wouldn't exactly call myself a... Oh, stop, Georgie, please. You're too much. With the accent and everything, I can't. But don't you worry, buddy. All Troy's going to take good care of you. With barely enough time to check his emails before he was hustled out of the door by his new client, George presently found himself being granted access, curiously via the back door, to an establishment in St James's that, from the outside at least, looked for all the world like an upmarket Italian bistro. If it wasn't for the velvet rope and the gargantuan Maori bouncer stationed at the door, you'd have been hard pushed to identify it as a strip club at all. Once inside, however, there could be no such confusion. The main floor was a thickly carpeted mass of flesh and murkiness, illuminated occasionally by shifting coloured spotlights. Small knots of men in suits and loud whooping stag parties clamoured riotously as woman after woman strutted out onto the podium to do her thing. They showered these goddesses with faux-dollar bills that could be purchased on the way in, one of the flaws in being a strip club frequenter in Britain. No pound notes. Throwing pound coins would presumably be considered rather antisocial. The seats closest to the stage seemed to be occupied mostly by quieter solo voyeurs, single or not-so-single men just trying to enjoy a nice Wednesday evening's viewing. A few of them frowned at the stag party's raucousness, irked as any regular might be by inconsiderate tourists. One large table towards the back was hosting a big unisex group, someone's idea of an outrageous office outing. The women were getting into it, shrieking appreciatively at the most skilled dancers, the ones hanging from the pole upside down with perfect Cirque du Soleil elegance and chatting amiably with those working the floor, looking for laps to dance. Their male colleagues, on the other hand, seemed less enthusiastic from where George was standing. They clutched their bottled beer and talked mostly to one another, rarely glancing at the girls and firmly turning down private dances. They carried the air of teenagers having to endure their favourite band in concert, with the conditional presence of a parent chaperone. It wasn't that George had never set foot inside somewhere like this. There had been countless stag in his twenties that were carefully, lovingly organised around European cities with plentiful access to female flesh, each more anticlimactic than the last. Strip clubs never looked like they did in films and no one could prepare you for the smell, nor the feeling of seediness that George had never quite squared himself with the seamy residue that took weeks to wear off. He knew that some of his fellow RMs eagerly took their clients to such places, and worse, without batting an eyelid. What the customer wanted, the customer got, and all that. But he just never warmed to them himself. 
He couldn't ignore the dampening disappointment that the woman in front of him was being paid to show herself to him, and it was a real vibe killer. Plus, you know, Charlotte hadn't liked him going to places like this, even when stag parties required it. He'd always been happy to appease her. As he followed Troy across the main floor, for they were not destined for such pedestrian pleasures, towards an intriguing velvet curtain, George saw a tall, pale woman with a long sheet of glossy black hair approaching two men sat close to the stage. She touched the shoulder of the one closest to her, a sloppily dressed guy in a grubby slogan tee and jeans. He was sporting an ill-advised pierced eyebrow. Hey, want to dance? She perched on the arm of his chair and leant over him, flashing him a winning smile. She had wrapped herself up in a dress that looked like purple foil, giving her the appearance at least at a distance, of a human-sized quality street. Her face was long and pale, and even from where George was watching, quite lovely. A smile that could light up a room, his mother might say. Her prospective customer, however, hadn't noticed. Fuck off, he muttered gruffly, giving her a very ungallant shove off the arm of his chair. Caught off guard, she landed inelegantly with a small bump on her backside. Eyebrow and his mate burst into cruel laughter as she scrabbled to her feet tugging her dress down, a crimson flush spreading across her cheeks, chest, shoulders. What George could see, and the two men could not, however, was two large bouncers striding across the room at a clip, heading straight for them. Troy tapped George's ribcage impatiently with the back of one hand. Rude to stare, Georgie. Come on. As George followed Troy's disappearing back through the velvet curtain, the two idiots were being roughly manhandled towards the door. Eyebrow was being held in a powerful headlock attempting to throw the odd scrappy but ultimately futile punch as he went. His friend was giving in a less physical but decidedly more memorable performance by attempting to spit in his jailer's face, but only managing to dribble down his own chin. George sighed. This would never have happened at Hamilton. By now, the blonde who liked to bounce, Athena apparently, had moved across to Troy's lap and was receiving a better ovation than she had with George. He whooped and cried out, Yeah, baby! Here we go, as if enjoying a roller coaster. This seemed a more gratifying work environment for Athena, and she responded with matched enthusiasm, climbing up onto the little sofa Troy was lounging on and planting a foot either side of his hips. She then slowly lowered her pelvis to be level with Troy's face and began to dance in slow circles, at one point gleefully permitting him to bury his face in the tiny triangle of lace that covered what was left of her modesty. It cost him an extra 200, but... George felt confident that Troy deemed it money well spent. He wondered if accounts would see it the same way. Now officially a third wheel, George was at liberty to gaze listlessly about the champagne room while nursing his drink. More velvet, naturally, and mirrors nailed to every wall. A large disco ball spanned slowly above a mini-podium in the middle upon which Athena had just kindly treated them to a committed striptease. Only when she had discarded everything, save a pair of diamante nipple tassels and the lace thong, did she initiate the costly one-to-one -one sessions. George felt a glum thump of guilt that he had not been a more appreciative customer. What's wrong with him? Athena sat astride Troy's lap, straddling him backwards. She jerked her head towards George. What's wrong, baby? You don't like me? She pouted. Yes, definitely Dominican. You want something else? You're not a blonde guy? You like brunette? Asian? We got a new girl, Sophia, Russian. She got long legs. You a leg guy? Oh, no, no, you're fine. I mean, you're lovely. 
Great. <laughs> we don't need another lady. Get your friend in here, honey. The Russian with the legs. We'd love to meet her. And more drinks. Troy shook his head despairingly at George. Ignore him. <laughs> He's green. Athena nimbly dismounted and tottered over to the door in her inexplicable platforms. She disappeared through it, leaving a heavy perfume hanging in the stuffy room. Georgie, you're killing me! Troy wrung his hands. Look, this is a legit place. No human traffic, no girls being kept chained to beds. These girls are just here making a buck like the rest of us. The least you can do is look like you're enjoying yourself. He took a swig of champagne. I mean, come on, buddy. It's just rude. The door opened, and Athena reappeared, pulling another woman by the hand. Boys, this is Sophia. She's brand new today and so, so excited to meet you. Athena spanned Sophia in a little circle, making her long dark hair fan out around her. It was her. The woman in the Quality Street dress. But now, Son's dress. She was now trussed up in a bizarre ensemble that seemed to consist mostly of ribbons. She looked like a present. Hey, Sophia! sang out Troy, clapping his hands together. Welcome to the party. Meet my man, George. With a nudge from Athena, Sophia approached George and began to sway nervously in front of him. She smiled shyly from behind her curtain of hair, slowly edging her way closer to his knees. Troy winked at him and turned his attention back to Athena, who'd stooped to whisper in his ear. Despite himself, George could not take his eyes off Sophia. It wasn't just her near-nakedness, though that was admittedly distracting. It was that face. It was like a tractor beam. He found himself completely engrossed by it. Once she'd made eye contact, glancing up at him from behind her hair, he found he could not break it. Did she remind him of someone? Uh, had they met before? She was the polar opposite of Charlotte, who was all rust-coloured curls and generous cleavage. Sophia was lean, angular even, boyish. No, this was in no way the ghost of his ex climbing onto his lap and pressing herself against him. This was something else. He felt a tugging at his sleeve. Troy was allowing himself to be guided by the hand towards the door, but had something to say before he was spirited away. I'll be back. Troy winked at him again and followed Athena towards the door. Athena and I are going to get better acquainted. You've just had your face in her pubic hair. How much better acquainted can you become? George thought, before quietly twigging. Oh, God. Wait, Troy, I... Should you... Georgie, it's all good. Should he stop this? Could you be arrested for facilitating prostitution? He wasn't sure. You could almost certainly be fired for it. But his client was gone. Off to spend K&B's entertainment budget on a who-knows-what from a woman named Athena, and there was very little George could do about it. Don't worry. Sophia placed her hands on his shoulders. She'll take care of him. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> George replied wryly. Then, hang on, that's not a Russian accent. At this, Sophia laughed, warmly, genuinely. By now, she was straddling his lap face to face. Instead of writhing, she sat back on her heels and studied him. Aren't you the clever one? Sophia replied in a thick, musical brogue, flashing him that incredible smile. Edinburgh? Glasgow. But nobody wants a wee squat in the champagne room, apparently. They want something more exotic. All for them. Quite. She swung her leg round so that she landed sitting beside him as if they were on a park bench feeding ducks. Sorry, didn't it feel like the right place to conduct this line of chit-chat? No, you're grand where you are. It's better. 
So, where are you from? Do you... care? Not particularly. She grinned again. So, the champagne room wasn't your idea then? No, my, uh, friend loves these places. Hey, that's clear enough. Sophia crossed her legs and leant in conspiratorially. He's requested the works from Athena in there. The works? The mind boggled. She laughed at him. Fred saw. She waggled her eyebrows. Your man's quite the connoisseur, it seems. I have to know. What does the works entail? Well, anything from holding hands and talking to full sex, I think. You think? You don't know? Eh, no. She was genuinely affronted. Just because I strip doesn't mean I'm a whore. Oh, God, no. I I didn't mean... Of course you're not. I I just meant... Look, pal. What Athena does off-menu, that's her business. Don't go assuming we all offer that kind of thing. You'll get yourself slapped. No, no, uh, of course. An awkward silence ensued. Sophia pursed her lips slightly, apparently a little embarrassed for snapping. Desperate to end the silence, he tried for solidarity. I saw that guy push you off the chair earlier. That was horrible. What a dick. Happens more often than you'd think. I'm only pissed off that I ripped my dress when I fell. It was new. Was he kicked out? Oh, hey. Roland and Gary will have kicked the shit out of him. But if you can't show a few manners, she shrugged. So, what did you say your name was? George. George. Well, it doesn't seem like you want a dance, George. And we've established that I don't go further than dancing. So what would you like to do? She blinked at him with lashes caked in mascara. Your friend's going to be a little while in there, I reckon. Well, I'm very happy to just talk, if you like. That's all well and good, but I have to charge you, you understand. If they think I'm slacking off having a nice wee chin wagon here, I'll lose my job. Yes, no, that's fair. The, um, the hostess has my card. <laughs> I assume they'll just charge it on my way out? Or would you prefer cash? She nodded, clearly finding him amusing. Cash is always appreciated. I expect I can rustle you up a VAT receipt if you need one. No, no, that won't be necessary. He knew he was being teased, but he wanted to stop talking about money. So, Sophia, is that your real name? Yes, she answered. Next? Oh, right. I thought it might be a, you know, a stripper name. An alias. Like in that film with Natalie Portman, when she's stripping for Clive Owen and she's all, like, my name is Plain Jane. She just stared at him blankly. He'd lost her. No, right, well, if you haven't seen the film, he trailed off lamely. No, my name's actually Sophia, she stated clearly, as though he might be slow. Why, does Sophia sound like a stripper name? Her eyes narrowed. No, it's lovely. It it suits you. So it's a stripper name, but it suits me. I look like a stripper, she demanded, folding her arms tightly across breasts that were entirely supported by ribbons. What exactly about me says gets her kit off a cash? Another silence. Unbidden, his eyes darted down to her outfit. A pause, then they both began to laugh. Hey. Fair enough, she relented, 
reaching up to her scalp. Look, why we're getting all chummy, do you mind if I take this wig off? It's itchy as all fuck. Be my guest. She tugged the long black curtain from her head, revealing a short, sandy blonde pixie crop. Wow, that's a channel change. It's nice. Do customers usually want long hair? Oh God, yes. No one comes in here wanting a wee boy dancing up on him. I've got eight in rotation. This isn't my favourite, though. She proceeded to talk him through every wig, the pros and cons of each, the long, wavy blonde one that made her feel like Farrah Fawcett, the bubblegum pink ringlets that one of her regulars bought for her that she was permitted to wear during private dances with him and only him. She described the tools of her trade as passionately as any freelancer. They discussed films, the few she'd seen, Working nights didn't afford her many evenings in front of the telly. And he vented a little about Charlotte, why she left, and why she resolutely refused to speak to him anymore, how she took everything, including the dog. In return, Sophia chatted happily about the two-year-old daughter waiting at home for her, and less happily about the boyfriend who had been deployed 12 months ago and had yet to return. Fuck him, she declared with feeling. If he doesn't care enough to write a bloody email, he doesn't deserve us. I think that's fair, remarked George, meaning it. They were just covering the comparative merits of the current Prime Minister compared to her predecessor when Troy returned, starry-eyed with satisfaction and keen to vamoose. You two kids have fun? he asked, not waiting for the answer. Come on, Georgie. Wave bye-bye to your girlfriend. He bowled out of the room without bothering to check that George was following him. Take care. He hovered awkwardly for a moment, assuming that a farewell peck on the cheek wasn't really appropriate. You too, George. Sophia smiled and placed a hand on his arm. And that girl? Charlotte? Would you mind me telling you something? She leant in very close to his ear, her breath warm and minty. He braced himself for something comforting, an affirmation that he deserved better, a confident promise that one day he'd find someone to love again, an assurance that Charlotte was a fool to have left him. Christ, maybe she was even going to give him her number. Could he handle dating someone who did this for a living? Could he handle dating someone with a small child? She'd be worth it, he pondered. That face. And she was so lovely, witty, passionate. She'd have to give up stripping, of course. He'd never be able to square that with his mum. But he could broach that gradually, over time. Where would they live? You'd have to sell the TT for something you could fit a car seat in, but that wouldn't be the end of the world. Was there any danger of the soldier boyfriend one day returning to find George snuggled up in bed with the mother of his child, causing a terrifying yet admittedly comical escape via a bedroom window? No, he'd never find them if they moved. Maybe Marlow. He had always wanted to live by the river. Sophia fixed him with a serious frown. You should really stop talking about her. She's definitely not coming back. With that, she span on her heel and strode out of the champagne room, leaving him clutching a receipt that was so long it brushed his knees. That was Strip by Catherine Case, read by Paul Sandys. This short story was brought to you by Copycat Creative. To receive a Saucy Shorts email to your inbox every Friday, please subscribe via the link found on the Saucy Shorts podcast homepage. Saucy Shorts, just a little bit of what you fancy.